1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives.
0: That it is. That too. I feel like I have this cough that will not go away. Like I had COVID. A month ago. And the cough will not stop. My little COVID queen. It's Is that a...
1: no I just made that up I was
0: like I I would not put it past somebody to have written a song
1: no No, I've just been referring to you and anyone else that I know in my life who has COVID as the COVID queen
0: yeah I mean (sighs) listen I got over it fairly unscathed fairly quickly but I feel like it's done something to my voice from coughing Mm. all the time like I feel like I've got like a Do you feel raspier? Yeah, like a little bit more of an NPR quality I was going to say, happening. I think that you
1: should also then just like go to some like speakeasy nearby and start singing on the microphone, like some really good raspy jazz music Phoebe or something. Buffet style? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. And it's funny because like I have a really hard time speaking, but especially singing in my lower register. But when I'm sick, I love singing along to like Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things like that I cannot hit physically, cannot hit when I'm healthy, but for some reason when I'm sick,
0: I'm like, and now, yeah. It lets you um, really sink into chess voice. Yeah, that's for sure. I sit very happily up in my head all yes. the time. <laughs> You're like in more than one way. Um. <laughs> oh my god, it's too true.
1: It's too true. Okay, well, we did quite an unloading of abortion news yes. during our full-length episode, but I wanted to check in with you. I have one thing regarding that, and I kind of wanted to
0: start with any of that, if you had anything that you wanted to talk about. I do not, because okay. uh, it's not that nothing has been happening. Right. Things have it's been happening. It's just we talked about it a lot. yeah.
1: So there was just one thing that I wanted to talk about because it showed up on my little like Apple News or whatever, and that is Arizona's laws and mm-hmm. what's going on there. Cause it's it's pretty archaic. So Arizona's Republican Attorney General announced on Wednesday that a pre-statehood law that bans all abortions is enforceable. So this is
0: a law yeah. from before Arizona was yeah. even a state. I right? knew that I knew something about this because I was listening to the Daily and they were talking yeah. about this and there's a couple of states like that that have these like abortion laws that just got never taken off the books
1: right or that have just been kind of like not used because of Roe like they they're not enforceable but now that Roe is not an issue Mm -hmm. these laws can be enforced so the law is from 1901 and it states A person who provides, supplies, or administers to a pregnant woman or procures such woman to take any medicine, drugs, or substance or uses or employs any instrument or other means whatever with intent thereby to procure the miscarriage of such woman unless it is necessary to save her life shall be punished by imprisonment in the state prison for not less than two years nor
0: more than five years. So, I, first of all, (laughs) I am so glad we moved past using that many words to say a thing. It's a
1: lot. Like, I feel like it's like anyone who has an abortion or gives an abortion can go to prison for two to five years
0: is what they mean. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I'm not super surprised by that. I've seen other states say things like um, 15 years. Yeah. Possibly. So there are some pretty steep consequences in some of these certainly Uh, and sometimes the consequences for abortion or seeking or or having an abortion are steeper than rape so that's really fun well
1: that makes sense with the way our government works totally tracks totally totally tracks but along with this Arizona and a lot of other states are also pushing besides the total ban a law that also grants eggs and fetuses all
0: of the rights so okay, okay, wait. I'm sorry. Can I claim them on my taxes? I mean, that's Can a great I question. Actually, collect child support from the father uh, yeah. as soon at, at conception. If they have rights as yeah, a per, if they have personhood, then I should be able to. Well, it's funny that you
1: use that because part of the law includes the phrase or word personhood in the provision which would give civil rights to the unborn. It's pretty wild. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I the mean, unborn child has more rights than the person
0: carrying the child. Than pretty the, much. The born... I, yeah, than the born... Than the, the born, born person. One. <laughs> than the born child. Yeah, great, cool. There's, oh, I mean, I, I just... I really need to see some accountability from the fathers in these situations then. Like, that'd be great, yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I'm just like, well, um, are they liable financially? Are they on the hook financially for any of this stuff? If, if life begins... From the moment of fertilization, then the person who has become pregnant should be getting some kind of compensation. Yeah. During the pregnancy
1: and all, and we should be able to claim it on our taxes. Right. That we're like pregnant. if, if um, I'm,
0: if I'm getting government assistance, if I'm getting WIC, then I should be able to add that to my... Yeah. The, okay.
1: No, I know. It's crazy. I had to, I had to add that in though, just because it was, it was the... It was the biggest thing to kind of like jump into my face and be like, "What the fuck?" Around that situation since we talked last, there's so. so
0: much. What the fuck happening? So much happening. Yeah, the Supreme Court is just wrecking us, just every which way. Truly, yeah. but first of all, because I feel like this has been something that I have heard everywhere. Every late night talk person is talking about this. Um, every news podcast that I listened to is talking about this because it was a very big deal. Um, But the January 6th hearings are heating up. They're heating the fuck up. I guess they're going to be in
1: recess for a little bit. I think we have the same next topic. Probably. Probably. I posted
0: a story to our page yesterday about
1: Cassidy Hutchinson. Oh, yes.
0: Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, like, that's been the most explosive thing to happen. And I, you know, I love how coy... Everybody was who's like the people who are running these these hearings. Like they yeah. were like, we've got some stuff coming up. They're like, yeah. it might be interesting. You might want to stay tuned. Like it was very like a cheeky about the way that they were like hinting about this because this came out of kind of nowhere. Like they right. planned this kind of like last minute for her to. Uh, well, at least testify. for a public. Right. hearing or yes. whatever because
1: she had met with the committee a few times and given like private testimony mm-hmm. but the fact that this third or whatever how many testimonies she did was like public and everybody got to hear what she had to say yeah because they were it like was this very is inflammatory they were yeah. like this is
0: too good we got to get you in front of a camera <laughs> like because
1: get ready for your close-up miss hutchinson <laughs> Whoa! wow she this is pretty uh, amazing to me and not amazing in like a good way but just in general, I found it fascinating that she started working for President Trump March of 2020. That's got to fucking suck. Uh,
0: or does it? Because you don't have to be in his direct vicinity, probably. <laughs> look
1: up, well, she was... Well, here, I have my notes. Let me see. So she had previously worked for the House Republican whip reps, which I had never heard of and had to Google. But that is like a little like section of... Something to do in our government. I don't care enough to give you all a big explanation, but I never heard of whip reps before. Um, But she worked for one of them, and the guy's name was Steve Scales, and she's also worked for Ted Cruz. Oh, gag. Yeah. When she graduated from Christopher Newport University, she began working for the Trump administration under Meadows. What's his name? Mark Meadows? Mark Mark Meadows. Meadows In March of 2020. And she worked very closely with Trump and his administration and with a lot of the people that were really close to him. She worked not only just in close proximity, but with a lot of the people that were like saying very important things and stuff like that. But what I think is so interesting is that she is so young, like she was like a like a new college graduate, pretty much that went into the White House and started working. That's
0: something that I feel like we should not lose sight of with. Cassidy Hutchinson, because I feel like people are like, "Bravo, so brave." Which very, I'm not. I'm not saying it isn't brave for her, to Because right. that's a scary thing to get up and and do that. Yeah, to be um, a whistleblower for anything is always very scary. However, she's she was extremely pro-Trumpy. Oh, like, yeah, her politics. Fucking suck. Oh, no. Like, Like she wanted to be in his orbit. Like, she admired Trump. That's part of why it was such a bummer for her. She
1: wanted to work for these people. She wanted to work for Trump. She is very all right. Like, she's... I'm not here to say that this. she's a good person. No, I just want
0: to make sure that that doesn't get lost because I feel like people are so caught up in... You know, the Well, she's young she's and pretty and white, too. D- yeah, so, I mean, it's like a big same. deal. You but know what I mean? Like, It's like, yeah, anybody who voluntarily wants to work for Ted Cruz. And by the way, you chose to go work for um, not only the Republican Party, but also like Trump's
1: administration administration exactly like you're 20, choosing the worst of the worst in
0: 2020 yeah. it's not even like you did it early on before things got really out of hand and went off no the rails. you
1: went right in the middle of all the shit yeah. so yeah liz cheney has stated in short miss hutchinson was in a position to know a great deal about the happenings in the white house yeah. because there are a lot of people i mean even the people involved in the major story that we're probably going to mention um are saying like that didn't happen but The other, you know, a lot of other Republicans that aren't necessarily Trump Republicans are kind of coming forward and being like, no, she would actually know what's going on in these situations. Well, I mean,
0: and also I think I'm going to believe the person, not that people don't lie under oath. Right. um, But there are some pretty steep consequences for her. Yeah. That other people who are speaking out kind of in opposition to her. It would be
1: mighty stupid
0: for her to be lying. Well, and I do think it's easier for some of these other people who are coming forward now and saying "uh-uh" who are saying that to the press. It's easier for them to lie than it would be for her to lie. There aren't as many consequences for them to lie, so I have right. a well, tendency I guess, to believe. Cassidy I Hutchinson guess some more of the
1: people them. will be testifying under oath. The people in well, that we'll story. see. But um, before we get into like the big thing that I posted to our story. Uh, Another thing that I hadn't seen reported quite as much was conversations that she had had with Rudy Giuliani prior to the January 6th riot or whatever you want to call it, call it insurrection. So on January 2nd, she had been chatting with Giuliani where he said something to the effect of how we should be excited for the 6th. It will be a great day. She said she didn't know what Giuliani meant by that, but when she asked Meadows about it later, he said, there's a lot going on, but I don't know.
0: Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Yeah, no, I mean, everything that came out said that everybody knew. Everybody yeah. knew it was coming up to a week prior and to they what happened. And they knew it would be bad they knew it, violent. They knew it would be bad. They knew it would be violent. They knew that Trump wanted to be there with his protesters. One of the most astounding things that I took away from her testimony was when she was talking about how they were conveying to Trump. They were telling him, you know, we're having to turn away some of your supporters because a lot of them are showing up with weapons. They're showing up um, with spears. They're showing up with guns. They're showing up with actual weapons and we're having to turn them away. And Trump said, let them through. They're not here for me. Mm hmm. Turn off the mags, which is the um, metal detectors, basically. Right. Like, turn them off. Let them come through. They yep. can march to the Capitol from here. Let them so go
1: he, get Pence. They're not here for me. I'm safe. They love literally me. literally said,
0: they are not here for me. Yeah. Let them through. Knowing that they were violent, knowing that they were saying things like, hang my vice president how was he not in jail like i just i want nothing more than to see him
1: in handcuffs this is un to me it's like attempted murder of like a lot of people
0: by him admitting that well it's it's treason to my little pea brain it's treason it's a it is a political coup he was orchestrating a political coup that's that's kind of the big thing that came out of her testimony was like I think he was able to hide behind and did hide behind. And a lot of people on Fox News during and after the insurrection were saying, like, I don't know why we're b- blaming Trump. Trump didn't know that they were going to do this. How could he, he was known there. that, that no, they yeah. were going to do this? Right. And he did know, not only did he know, he knew that they were violent and that they had weapons the day of. And what their intentions were the day of prior to him giving that speech to them, mm-hmm. telling them to march on the Capitol. So he did know. Yeah. Like that so that argument that he maybe didn't know, that's what all this testimony, that's why it's so valuable, is because you're able to say, like, no, there are witnesses who said he did know before he told his followers to march on the Capitol. He gave them a direct order as as their president, Yeah, you know, to march on the Capitol. And that's why it is such a big deal. And not only that, he wanted to be with them yeah. when they did it. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, allegedly, he, like, lunged to the front of the car and tried to take over the steering wheel and, From like, his limo
0: driver. Yeah. attacked
1: Bob Engle. It's wild. Like, yeah. he sounds like he absolutely lost it when he
0: was told that he couldn't go to the Capitol. It was like a little baby throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I mean, and there was also testimony, and I feel like a lot of people are pointing to this, although to me this doesn't feel very, like, this doesn't feel like brand new news that Trump would do something like this, but I guess after the election, whenever he had lost, his mental state was so bad he was, that he was just throwing temper tantrums all the time. Oh, and God. There were people. Can you imagine
1: having to be around that? Poor Melania.
0: Oh, I mean... Mm. she was probably long gone (laughs) first of all probably yes secondly i'm like at some point i'm like you're doing this to yourself like oh no
1: no i don't really mean poor melania but like also
0: god uh, just i mean imagine being around that man for any span of time somebody (laughs) testified that he was so upset after the election that he was like throwing plates of food. Like just throwing like breaking dishes. I've seen tough
1: guys do this in movies,
0: but <sighs> it, it's the like, most like pathetic, childish behavior, but I feel like that's very in line yeah, with who it all he tracks is. so it I'm tracks. like, no, nah, that's <sighs>
1: Well, I wanted to mention one other thing because we got a message from a listener. I made a pretty broad statement on the last episode, and I was very interested to find that only one person responded and mentioned something about it, but it was actually a very educational response. I enjoyed it, so I wanted to read it all to you and kind of give you some of my thoughts as well, so... This is in reference to when I was kind of thinking out loud my thoughts about the story of the Immaculate Conception and how I perceived that Mary would have been raped. And this was very fascinating to me. So this is from a listener who also describes themselves as being a recovering Catholic, as do I. So they said... There is one point I would like to make, however, as a recovering Catholic, and that is about your comment on Mary and her being raped and impregnated against her will by God. The fact is she was not. For respect to accuracy and differing ideologies, I want to point out that Mary was given a choice. Yes, you read that correctly. Mary had a choice, unlike all the women who now live in the States with abortion bans. God allowed her to decide what to do with her body. She chose to accept the pregnancy and give her verbal consent for God's will to be done in her body. So I wanted to read that because I know that not everybody feels the same way about Catholicism and religion as I do. I make those kinds of comments and things like that just because it's how I feel it's my show, we talk about our feelings, things like that. But I did think it was important to bring that up as well, because I have a lot of people in my life that are practicing Catholics and are pro-choice and things like that. So I wanted to make clear that I don't want my comments to be misconstrued in a way where I want to say like, all Catholics are bad, or everything in it is bad. And I'm not even saying that I'm correct. I am not a like, religious scholar in any sort of way. I don't have a Bible in front of me, but it is a way for me to kind of like work through a lot of the things that I've learned as a kid that I'm unlearning and things like that. But I wanted to bring it up just out of respect for anybody else that may have kind of been rubbed the wrong way by that comment and things like that, just to acknowledge that I hear you, I understand, and I apologize if it offended anybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, we were just, that episode was so conversational and really mostly us just working through our sadness and our anger and uh, our and frustration. And a lot of f-
1: our feelings were very heightened as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much to the listener who did write in. having read the Bible, that somehow went over my head um, as well, or I didn't recall that. Yeah. Um, that the, um, the angel Gabriel, or was it Gabriel who came to Mary, must have offered her a choice. Um, yeah. That is not something that I remembered.
1: Yeah, I haven't read it in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say that like uh, my memory is totally correct and that's what happened. But just as somebody who kind of is looking back at a lot of those stories and things that I was taught as being like fact or a very positive thing, it's just kind of my way of processing everything and being pissed off about stuff that, you know, like, hurt me and could potentially still hurt me in the future because of, you know, you understand this. From oh, absolutely. That I've got so much you know, religious trauma. and Which the, we really need to do an episode on religious trauma. Yeah, I was we, thinking we about should this. absolutely
0: do an episode on religious trauma. And I think those of us who, I think that this affects people in different ways. Living in a government-funded theocracy that is christian based Mm -hmm. which is where we are at (laughs) right now i think it negatively impacts people in different ways obviously it's going to negatively impact people who um don't believe never believed weren't raised in in christian homes right i think it also reignites a lot of religious trauma for those of us who were raised in um christian homes or catholic homes and didn't have a great experience with it um (laughs) and really fought their way out of those beliefs, you know, I think it can also be very triggering for us to be constantly reminded of this thing that I would have fought for. I believed in completely. Um, it's it's a very interesting place to be because I've had a lot of conversations with people where I'm like, I understand where a lot of these pro or lifers, anti-choicers are coming from. Well, because birthers. we've
1: lived it and experienced right. what who those people are. I
0: understand it. I actually, because I can put my head, my mind in their headspace, right. right? Because I'm like, there Because was that's a time, what you were taught the same thing as they were. And there was a time when my logic would have pointed me in that direction, right? right? So I, I do understand it. It's not an excuse in any way. And it should never, ever be put on everybody else. And I think yeah. that that's very scary. And it does, it feels like almost like we're being... um thrown back into this chokehold of religion that we fought so hard to break free from. And that's that's scary as well, you know. Right.
1: And that's where a lot of like the strong feelings and I'm I'm definitely not someone who minces my words when I feel strongly about things. It doesn't necessarily mean that I mean offense or that I'm even to be taken 100% seriously when I say things like that. A lot of it is just based in like, a lot of anger and frustration and hurt over seeing other people being yeah, hurt. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know. And
0: I wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who reached out. We got so oh many goodness. wonderful messages over the last couple of days. Um, not just wonderful messages of encouragement to us, but also thank you to everyone who trusted us with your stories. We received um, quite a few personal stories about people, uh, people's personal situations that they have going on in relation to their fears about their reproductive rights, the reproductive rights of their loved ones. Right. Um, So thank you so much for trusting us with those stories and to everybody who has messaged us to say, I live in such a, in such a state. If anybody needs help in this state, please let me know. Yes. Um, We've gotten a handful of those as well. So I am just really encouraged by that and the fact that there are so many people actively working to make the world a better, kinder, more empathetic, more compassionate place. Yeah. It's hard sometimes because I will lose sight of that in, in this world that seems so big and scary and mean and cruel so yeah. much of the time. There are so many people actively working on helping each other, wanting to help each other. So yeah, thank you.
1: I don't know if it's like such a like old school thing to ask now because I don't know if like Facebook groups are even like used like they were even a few years ago. But I think that that would be another really wonderful use for that where if you feel like you are, you know, if you're in a state and you feel like you're willing to be able to help somebody if you want to reach out on the page and say like, hey, I live in California and I'm willing to help you if you need it or the other way around. I'm in Texas and I'm really scared right now, you know, things like that. We receive so much support from listeners all the time, and I I hope that that could be expanded to the community as a whole. So if you do need help or anything, our DMs are so wide open. There's a community of lovely people who want to help as well, which really just warms my heart, especially feeling very isolated and sad recording it and then the next morning listening to it and and all of that, getting the responses that we have has been really, really wonderful. So thank you. Um, Along with all of that, uh, if you want to know where to reach us, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. You can go to our Facebook group page or business page. You can chat with the other listeners on the group page, as I mentioned, or rate and review us on the business page. And last but not least, if you haven't done so already, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it so very much. And again, thank you for those of you who have been reviewing lately. We really appreciate it. All right. That's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rate right John. Bye.
2: nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink. But there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless, and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of The Jane Austen podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote, and now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award winning narration. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin wherever you get your podcasts.